وَلَوْلَا And if not. Now here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the reality of this world. What is its worth near Allah? That وَلَوْلَا And if it was not. أَنْ يَكُونَ النَّاسُ That all people would become. أُمَّةً وَاحِدَةً One nation, one community. One community meaning united upon disbelief. A community of disbelievers. If it was not this danger, then what would happen? لَجَعَلْنَا Surely we would make liman for those people who يَكْفُرُ بِالرَّحْمَانِ Those who deny الرَّحْمَانِ Meaning Allah. We would make for those people, for those deniers, لِبُيُوتِهِمْ For their homes, سُقُفًا سُقُفًا Ceilings. Plural of the word, سَقْف فَخَرَّ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّقْفُ سَقْف is roof or the ceiling. So we would have made the ceilings of their houses of what? مِن Of silver. We would have given these disbelievers so much money that the roofs of their houses would be of silver. وَمَعَارِجْ And also stairways. Ma'arij, plural of the word mi'raj. And mi'raj is used for stairs or a ladder. Meaning for their houses would be stairways. Why stairways? Because their houses would not just be off one level, but multiple levels. And these stairways would also be of silver. Alayha yadharun. Upon them, they would ascend. They would mount. Yadharun, ra. Remember, zahar is used for back. And the word is also used for mounting on something, climbing on something. So they would climb on these stairs in order to go to higher levels. What are we being told in this ayah? That the dunya and its riches have no worth near Allah. No value. So much so that He would give this dunya in abundance to every single denier. Every single kafir. Allah would do that. Why? Because this world has no worth near Allah. What do we think? If someone has money, Allah must love them. Isn't it? And if I got some money, if I got some things of this world, Allah must be very pleased with me. This is reward for me. And if I don't have money, Allah must be upset with me. Isn't that what we think? How many times... We judge people based on the money that they have. What does Allah tell us? Allah doesn't care about this dunya. So much so that every disbeliever, Allah would give him so much money that their houses would be made of silver. The ceilings, the stairways would be made of silver. What do you think about the the furniture then? What would that be of? Just imagine. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not done this. Why? Because the consequence of this would be that everyone would become kafir. Because they would think that, you know, to get all this money, you gotta deny. You have to deny Allah. In greed of dunya, they would become kafir. And this is true. The more dunya people have, the more they forget Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala further says, وَلِبُيُوتِهِمْ And also for their houses, abwaban doors. Abwab, plural of the word bab. Why doors? For privacy and also for security. I mean, if you think about it, if the ceilings are of silver and the stairs are of silver, what other riches would be inside the houses? So much. 
So they need gates, they need doors. For privacy as well as for security. وَالسُرُرًا And also couches. Plural of the word سَرِير. And سَرِير is used for a throne, a couch, basically a place to sit, recline, that is very luxurious, very elegant, very beautiful in appearance, and also very comfortable. So they would have سُرُرًا عَلَيْهَا Upon it, يَتَّكِئُونَ They would recline. And all of this is connected with the word fiddha, meaning the suquf, the ma'arij, the abwab, the surur, all would be of silver. Wazukhrufa, and also of zukhruf. What does zukhruf mean? When it's used in contrast with fiddha, it means gold. Alright? When it's used with fiddha, then it means gold. The word zukhruf is used for embellishment. Zina, embellishment, adornment. And it's also used for gold. Because usually decoration is done, how? How? With something that is golden. And if you think about it, even uh, glitter. Glitter, I mean, yes, we have different colors. But golden, why is glitter used? For decoration. So, wazukhrufa, all of this would be of silver and also of gold. As if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that He would give them more and more and more of this dunya. However, remember that in kullu dhalik. in and not. Kullu dhalik. All of this. Lamma except mata'ul hayatid dunya. This would all be nothing except the enjoyment of worldly life which would eventually come to an end. وَالْآخِرَةُ But the hereafter, عِنْدَ Rabbik Near your Lord, it is لِلْمُتَّقِينَ It is for those who are righteous. The Akhirah is reserved for who? For everybody? No. It is for those who are righteous. But in this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives dunya to everybody. Those who are righteous and also those who are not righteous. Why? Because... Allah doesn't care about this dunya. This dunya has no worth near Him. What really has worth is iman. A person's good deeds. They bring honor in the sight of Allah. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَلَوْلَا أَن يَكُونَ النَّاسُ أُمَّةً وَاحِدَةً لَجَعَلْنَا لَجَعَلْنَا لِمَن يَكْفُرُ بِالرَّحْمَنِ لِبُيُوتِهِمْ سُقُفًا مِنْ فِضَّةٍ وَمَعَارِجَ عَلَيْهَا يَظْهَرُونَ وَلِبُيُوتِهِمْ أَبْوَابًا وَسُرُرًا عَلَيْهَا يَتَّكِئُونَ وَزُخْرُفًا وَإِن كُلُّ ذَلِكَ لَمَّا مَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةُ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ We see that in Mecca, it was mainly the people who were poor who were attracted to Islam. And the wealthy, the rich, they stayed away. So it is as if we are being taught here, that you think these deniers have a lot? Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have given them even more. Because wealth, the riches of this world, they have no value near Allah. 
However, look at what Allah has given you. And what is that? Quran. It is Iman. And also we see that these ayat, what they establish is the insignificance of this dunya near Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why when Allah chooses someone, He doesn't look at their wealth and their appearance. What is it that Allah looks at? The state of their heart. Which is why in hadith we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala examined the hearts of all people. One of the sahaba said this. And he found the heart of the Prophet wasallam to be the best, the purest. And so the Prophet wasallam was chosen even though he was an orphan, even though he grew up in poverty. Yes, he had worldly status in other ways, but he didn't enjoy many of the benefits of this world. So the criteria near Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for choosing someone is not their worldly status. It is not their worldly riches. It is the state of their heart. Once we see that Umar radiallahu anhu, he came to visit the Prophet sallallahu And he saw that the Prophet sallallahu was lying down on a mat. And that mat was so rough that it was leaving marks on the back of the Prophet sallallahu And then when Umar radiallahu anhu looked around, in that room, he saw, you know, an old water skin that was hanging, and just a couple of things which were old and used up and really worn out. And Umar anhu, on looking at that, he just started crying. And the Prophet ﷺ asked him that, why are you crying? And he said that, you know, the kings of this world, they live in so much luxury, and you are far better than them. I'm crying because of this. There are marks on your body. And then all you have is so little. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said that, Oh Umar, aren't you satisfied that for us is the akhirah and for these people is the dunya? Aren't you satisfied with that? That this is dunya. It's Allah's mercy that He's given them at least a little bit to enjoy. Here, right now. But we are striving for the akhirah for eternal rewards, for eternal enjoyment. Woman and whoever, Yarshu, he becomes blind. An from Dikri Rahmani, the remembrance of the most merciful. Whoever closes his eyes becomes blind to the dhikr of Allah. Then what will happen? Nuqayyid, we will appoint lahu for him shaytanan, a devil, and that devil, fahuwa sohi, lahu for that person will be a qareen, a close companion, a constant companion. The word qareen is used for a companion who's always, a friend who's always by a person's side, because it's from the word qarana, and qarana is to join, to connect. So he's always there, always connected. To who? This shaitan is a qareen to who? To the person who closes his eyes to the dhikr of Allah. Ya'shu. The word ya'shu is from the root letters ayn, sheen, wow. And ashwun literally means to intend to go somewhere at night. Now when you go somewhere at night, no matter how many street lights are there, and no matter how bright the moon is, is it difficult to see? Do you have poor visibility? 
Yes, you do. Why? Because of the fact that it is night time. From this, the word aashi is used for a night rider, meaning someone who rides or who travels by night. And then the word yarshu is used for someone who has weak sight, weak eyesight. So yarshu, he becomes dim-sighted. He becomes blind. Not completely blind, but but dim-sighted. Then the word arsha, rajulun arsha, is used for a person who's got eye problems, who's got problems in his eyes. So his vision is not really that clear. It's not really that good. Then this word is used for i'rad also. Because when your vision is not really that great, you can't really see that clearly, then the most obvious things, you miss them. Isn't it? You don't see them, you miss them, you ignore them, you turn away from them because you didn't really see them. So the word yarshu means yu'rid. He turns away. Alright? The word yarshu means he turns away. Yu'rid. And it also means ya'ma. He becomes blind too. Meaning deliberately closes his eyes. Withdraws from. Closes his eyes. From what? The dhikr of Allah. Then this person, he's not on his own. Who's going to follow him? Who's going to follow him? A shaitan is going to follow him. And he's going to be by his side constantly. Urging him to sin. Leading him further away from Allah. Because نُقَيِّضْ لَهُ shaytanan. The word نُقَيِّضْ from قَاف يَا ضَاد We have done this word earlier also. What does it mean? It's used for the thin membrane which is on the egg. Right beneath the eggshell. And it's attached. It's so difficult to peel it off. Sometimes you're trying to peel it off and the egg breaks. It's as if you're peeling the egg off. Right? Because it's so closely, it's so firmly attached. So this is nuqayyid. That it will be attached to him who? Shaytan and a devil. And that devil will be a qareen. A constant companion for him. This is for who? The one who turns away from the dhikr of Allah. Then shaytan will take over him. The dhikr of Allah has many different forms. One form is salah. Musa salam was told, أَقِّمِ الصَّلَاةَ لِذِكْرِي Establish the prayer for my remembrance. So when a person does not establish the prayer, then what will happen? Who will influence him? Who will be with him? Leading him astray? Shaytan. In a hadith, the Prophet said that if there are three men in a village or in the desert, and they do not perform prayer together. This is not just about praying themselves. This is about jama'ah. They don't perform jama'ah. Then what will happen? The devil will have mastery over them. Shaitan will have control over them. He will have authority over them. This is who? Three people who are living in close proximity, but they don't establish salah. They're not remembering Allah as a community. Then shaitan will take over. In another hadith we learn that once a man was extremely angry. And the Prophet ﷺ said that I know one word, if he would say it, one kalima, a statement, if he were to say it, then his anger would go away. 
And the man, he just ignored the advice of the Prophet And in fact, he said something very disrespectful. So in anger, he did not say ta'awud, he did not seek refuge with Allah, he did not remember Allah. What happened? Shaitan got even more control over him. So one way of the dhikr is salah, another way is ta'awud. Saying, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ And if we don't say it, then who has control over us? Shaitan. Whose influence are we accepting? Who are we putting ourselves under? Shaitan. So, نُقَيِّدْ لَهُ شَيْطَانًا فَهُوَ لَهُ قَرِينَ What are the different times in which we should say ta'awudh? We should seek refuge with Allah. At what times? When a person is angry, what other time? Should a person say, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Okay, when reciting the Qur'an, فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ Why? Because as you're reading, as you're studying, shaitan will cast doubts. So the verse which was meant to guide you is going to lead you astray. You understand what's happening? What other times? When a person is distracted in salah, again at that time seeking refuge with Allah. Yes? When a person is feeling lazy, very true. When you're feeling lazy, when you don't feel like doing what you should be doing, seeking refuge with Allah at that time. How about when going to the bathroom? Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubuthi or khubthi wal khabaith. At that time also. Also, at the time of intercourse. These are moments when a person must seek refuge with Allah against the shaitan, why? Because shaitan likes to have his share in whatever that we're doing. Because he hates us. And he doesn't want us to get 100% out of what we're doing. He wants to corrupt our work, our enjoyment, our actions, our rizq. He wants to corrupt that. So if we don't seek refuge with Allah at that time, we're not remembering Allah at that time, then who's going to take over? Shaitan. You see, there could be a pure glass of water. Okay? Pure glass of water. And you'd put in one drop of ink. Is that one drop enough to corrupt that glass of water? Is it? It's enough. This is what shaitan does. So... نُقَيِّضْ لَهُ شَيْطَانًا فَهُوَ لَهُ قَرِينَ Then we see that when people are praying salah and there's a gap in the middle and they don't fill that up, who comes and fills that gap? Shaitan. Even when sitting in the majalit, so let's fill up these gaps. Okay? Fill up these gaps. If you have a gap next to you, just raise your hand. And keep it raised until somebody comes in, fills it up. Higher. Jazakillah khayra. So, نُقَيِّضْ لَهُ شَيْطَانًا فَهُوَ لَهُ قَرِينَ One form of dhikr is salah. Another is ta'awud, another form of dhikr. Reciting the Qur'an. Staying connected with the Qur'an. So whoever becomes blind to the Qur'an, closes his eyes, he doesn't keep it in front of him. You see the Qur'an is nur, it is light. But what did the person do? He closed his eyes, so he cannot really see clearly. And when he's not really seeing clearly, then he's going to forget Allah. And then who's going to influence him? Shaitan is going to influence him. 
In Surah Fussilat Ayah 25 we learn وَقَيَّضْنَا لَهُمْ قُرَنَاءَ فَزَيَّنُوا لَهُمْ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ These shayateen, what do they do? They beautify, they adorn sins for a person. You see, when you're connected with the Qur'an, what happens? The Qur'an corrects you. It makes you see your mistakes. And if you kind of close your eyes to the Qur'an, you know when you almost close your eyes, close them a little bit, can you see clearly? You know that yeah, there is a person in front of you, but you can't really see their face. You understand? This is what happens. Yeah, it's somewhere there in our minds. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to pray. and Yeah, I know I'm supposed to speak in a particular way. But what is that way? You need that clear reminder. And how do you get that clear reminder? If you have the Qur'an in front of you. If you remain connected with the Qur'an. And when a person disconnects with the Qur'an, then who takes that place? Shaytan takes that place. وَإِنَّهُمْ And indeed they لَيَصُدُّونَهُمْ Surely they prevent them, they stop them. Sadd, what does sadd mean? To stop someone from doing something. So these shayateen, they stop them, prevent them anis sabil from the way. Which way? Of guidance. And so, وَيَحْسَبُونَ These people, they begin to think that أَنَّهُمْ مُهْتَدُونَ That they are rightly guided. That what they're doing is right. When in fact, what they're doing is not right at all. So if we really want to know whether we're doing right or wrong, what is it that we need in our lives? The dhikr of Allah. The remembrance of Allah. Through salah, through ta'awud, through Qur'an, and through other ways also. Because the dhikr of Allah keeps shaitan away. Like we learned that shaitan is khannas. That when a person remembers Allah, shaitan retreats. He goes back and then he comes again. He doesn't leave you. What do we think? You know, I've read the Qur'an now, I've rid myself of shaitan. No, you rid yourself of shaitan for now, he will come back. He will come and attack you again. So you have to keep the dhikr of Allah alive, constant in your life. And the moment you stop, who's going to fill that space? Who's going to fill that gap? Shaitan will. حَتَّى until إِذَا جَاءَنَا When he comes to us. Meaning when such a person will come to us on the day of judgment, قَالَ He will say. He will say to who? To shaitan. يَا لَيْتَ Oh, I wish that بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَكْ Between me and you, there was a بُعْد, a distance of الْمَشْرِقَيْنِ The two Easts. I wish you and I were apart as much as the two Easts are. Two Easts? What are the two Easts? It's the East and the West. But it's called Mashriqain because this is something common in Arabic language. Right? That when two things are you know, in one category, then they're not mentioned separately. One is chosen and it's made into a duel. Like for example, Umurain. It's used for Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhu. Right? Al-Aswadain, the two black things. What are they? Dates and water. If you think about it, water is not black. Dates are but it's called aswadain, the two black things. Alright? So likewise, mashriqain means east and west. Alright? And if you think about it, every east is the west of another, and every west is the east of another, depending on where you are. Correct? So he will say to that shaitan that, I wish you were as far from me, so far apart from me, just as the east and west are, far apart from each other. فَبِئْسَ الْقَرِينَ 
What a terrible companion. Right now, in the world, in this life, how is he? In the companionship of shaitan. Accepting the influence of shaitan. So much so that whatever shaitan suggests, he does it. On the day of judgment, he will wish that shaitan was far from him. Away, far away. Not even seen. فَبِئْسَ الْقَرِينَ Allah says, وَلَيَّنْ فَعَكُمْ But never will it benefit you. الْيَوْمَ Today, إِذْ ظَلَمْتُمْ When you have wronged. When you have done zulm, meaning when you are guilty, this is not going to benefit you. What is not going to benefit you? That أَنَّكُمْ فِي الْعَذَابِ مُشْتَرِكُونَ That you share the punishment. You see, if somebody has hurt you a lot, they've you know deceived you, and they've made you suffer. And then you find out that this person who hurt you, now they're suffering. They were caught, and now they're being punished. Does that bring a level of satisfaction? Yes. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that this is not going to benefit you because أَنَّكُمْ فِي الْعَذَابِ مُشْتَرِكُونَ While the shaitan qareen is in adab, you, because you followed him, are also suffering your consequences. So this is not going to benefit you. It's not going to take you away. It's not going to save you. Secondly, what this means is, وَلَيَّنْ فَعَكُمُ الْيَوْمِ It's not going to benefit you. And what is that? Your regret and your wishes of being far away from that shaitan. Because أَنَّكُمْ فِي الْعَذَابِ مُشْتَرِكُونَ You are going to share the punishment. Why will you share the punishment? Because you are equally guilty. Both are guilty. So what do we see in these verses? That a person must actively try to keep himself safe from the influence of shaitan. And what is your weapon against shaitan? It is the dhikr of Allah. You see, when you're eating something and you don't remember Allah, what happens? Shaitan takes a share of that food. Anything you're doing, you don't mention Allah, shaitan will take a share of that. So dhikr of Allah is essential to keep ourselves safe from shaitan. And if we give even a little bit of space to shaitan, he will come in. He will come in. And once he comes in, he's not going to leave us. And we see the regret over here, that on the day of judgment, a person will regret so much for having listened to shaitan. But is this going to benefit, this regret? Not at all. Allah says, أَفَأَنْتَ Then will you, can you, تُسْمِعُ Can you make hear? Who? أَصُمَّ The deaf people. Can you make deaf hear? No. أَوْ تَهْدِ الْعُمْيَ Or can you guide a person who is blind? Meaning a person who doesn't even see where he's going. And he's adamant, he's firm, determined to go where he wants to go. And you're guiding him away. You're telling him, that he's going in danger, but he doesn't listen to you. Can you guide such a person? No. Woman can mubin, and the one who is in clear error. Can you guide such a person? No. Can you make them hear? No. Can you make them see? No. What does this mean? That a person who is under the influence of shaitan, you can't help him until he wants to help himself. And this is so true. You can cry. You can beg them. You can give them the best incentives. But if a person does not want to help himself, if he doesn't even see the effect of shaitan, then what can you do? You can't help them. What is this ayah telling us then? 
that if we want to be protected from the influence of shaitan, then we have to do something. We can't wait for others to come and rescue us. Because sometimes what we think is, yeah, my mother does the ruqya. You know, my husband recites the Qur'an. My children are memorizing the Qur'an. You have to do something. Just like when you're sick, do you have to take medication yourself? You have to. Can you depend on others? You can't. If your mom is taking her medication, her medication is not going to help you. You have to do something. And we see that sometimes this friendship of shaitan, and remember shaitan doesn't just come in the form of jinn, but also in the form of people. Right? Such friendship sometimes is so detrimental for a person, it's as if he is under so much pressure that he knows his friends are telling him wrong, but he doesn't listen to his parents. He doesn't listen to his parents. He will still listen to his friends. Isn't it? It's as if he's blinded by that love. He's blinded by that so-called friendship. And it's amazing how so many people, when they end up doing wrong things, whose fault is it? Who's let them in that position? It's their friends. Even though the whole time their parents were warning them, I don't like this company of yours. I don't like these friends of yours. But they refuse to listen. Why? It's as if they've been blinded by that love and friendship. فَإِمَّا نَذْهَبَ النَّبِكَ The Prophet ﷺ is addressed over here. فَإِمَّا then if نَذْهَبَنَّ We take away. Bika you. Meaning we cause you to die. We cause you to die. Even then, فَإِنَّ Indeed we. مِنْهُمْ From them. مُنْتَقِمُونَ Ones who take retribution. You see, the mushrikeen of Makkah, they would wish for the Prophet ﷺ to die. They would think that, you know what, once he dies, all of this matter of Islam, of Tawheed, it'll be over. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that even if you were to die, these people are guilty. They are wrong for their shirk. And we are going to punish them. Or we make you see, meaning the punishment comes to them in your life. We make you see that which we have promised them. And what is it that we have promised them? We have threatened them. It's that punishment. Then indeed we are over them. Muqtadirun. Muqtadirun, plural of muqtadir. And who is muqtadir? One who has qudra. Complete qudra. Complete power and authority. We have complete ability over punishing these people. فَاسْتَمْسِكْ So what should you do? O Prophet ﷺ, you should adhere to, you should hold on to. Hold on to what? بِالَّذِي With that which أُوحِيَ إِلَيْكَ Which has been revealed to you. And what is that? The Qur'an. Hold on to it, meaning observe it yourself, and keep conveying it. إِنَّكَ عَلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ Indeed, you are certainly upon the straight path. No matter how much they deny you, you are upon the truth. In Surah Al-Mu'minun, Ayah 73, Allah says, وَإِنَّكَ لَتَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ Certainly you guide people to the straight path. So in this ayah, what is being said? How is it that you protect yourself from bad influence? How? By staying in the influence of Qur'an. You stay connected with the Qur'an, Keep shaitan away. And the moment you lose touch with the Qur'an, 
It's amazing how shaitan takes over. Shaitan is, you know, someone who really takes advantage of any opportunity that comes his way. Very experienced. And you know, some people, you give them a chance, they're like, yeah, you know what, I don't care. You give them an opportunity, you give them, you offer them, come forward, they're like, no, it's okay, I'm fine. Shaitan is so eager. The smallest opportunity, the smallest gap in a saf, he will make use of it. The smallest moments when you're sitting and you're not doing dhikr, he will take advantage of it. If we are living as part-time Muslims, realize that shaitan is working full-time. How can we counter shaitan if he's working full-time and we are working part-time? You understand? So, فَاسْتَمْسِكْ بِالَّذِي أُوحِيَ إِلَيْكَ Hold on to it. What does istamsik mean? Firmly hold on. Do not leave. Do not leave it. إِنَّكَ عَلَى صِرَاطِ مُسْتَقِيمِ Then you are on the straight path. وَإِنَّهُ And indeed it. Meaning the Qur'an is لَذِكْرُ لَكَ Surely a dhikr for you and not just for you, O Prophet ﷺ, but also وَلِقَوْمِكَ for your people. And soon you will be questioned. You will be questioned about what? About the extent of your fulfilling your duty towards the Qur'an. How much did you fulfill the haqq of the Qur'an? Did you give the Qur'an its right or not? The Qur'an is dhikr. What does dhikr mean? Dhikr is tadkir, reminder. Firstly, Dhikr is reminder. Meaning a reminder when someone has forgotten. Sometimes we forget some important actions that we have to do. And sometimes we do remember them, but we forget their significance. We forget their importance. So what happens? The Qur'an reminds us of what they are and also of their significance. So, وَإِنَّهُ لَذِكْرٌ لَكَ وَلِقَوْمِكَ it's a reminder. And if you think about it, many times in the Qur'an, you learn some things which you already knew, but you just learned about their importance. For example, as Muslims, we all know we're supposed to pray. Isn't it? We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to love Allah. We're supposed to obey Allah. We know this. You ask any Muslim child, you know, he'll answer these questions. But the significance, the importance of all of these matters. You get that from where? From the Qur'an. The Qur'an repeats itself. So you learn about something, you forget it, but then when the concept is repeated, you are reminded. So, وَإِنَّهُ لَذِكْرٌ لَكَ And it's amazing how sometimes you will hear a verse which you know about, but you heard it at that time, in that situation, so that verse was a perfect reminder for you. Isn't it? So it's a reminder. Secondly, dhikr also means maw'ilah. Advice, admonition. So the Qur'an is an advice. It's an admonition. It's an instruction. Tells you what you should do. And it doesn't just list the commands. But it's a very effective message. It's a very effective admonition. Then the word dhikr is also used for Fame, good name. So وَإِنَّهُ لَذِكُ لَكَ وَلِقَوْمِكَ This Qur'an will be a source of mention, a source of good name. 
for you, O Prophet ﷺ, and also for your people. And isn't that true? If you think about it, Umar anhu, who was he before Islam? Who was he? I mean, a very powerful man in Mecca. He was so strong that one day he just got really fed up and he said, you know what, I'm just going to go kill Muhammad wasallam." He just got up, took his sword and started walking. And I mean, other people were just thinking about it. Umar anhu, he was a person who was a go-getter. You know, just go do it. Right? Just go get it. He was one of those people who could read and write. But at the same time, I mean, the maximum he could get in his life was maybe become super wealthy. That's it. Because he couldn't become a chief. You understand? Given his position, he couldn't really become a chief of his tribe. He couldn't really become the ruler of Makkah. The system was not like that. But because of Qur'an, because of Islam, Umar radiallahu anhu became who? Amirul Mu'mineen. The leader of the believers. Someone who ruled over the entire Islamic region for how many years? 20 years. We see that the Khilafah, it expanded so much at that time. Constantinople was conquered in the time of Umar radiallahu anhu. So much expansion. This is Umar radiallahu anhu after the Qur'an. إِنَّهُ لَذِكْرٌ لَكَ وَلِقَوْمِكَ We see that on one occasion, Umar radiallahu anhu, the person whom he had appointed as the governor of Makkah, came to meet Umar radiallahu anhu. So Umar radiallahu anhu asked him that, in your absence, who have you appointed as the leader? Meaning, you left your work, who's taking care of your work while you're not there? So he replied that so-and-so person is in charge. And he asked him that, who's this person? And he said, he's one of our freed slaves. He's one of our freed slaves. Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, you have appointed a freed slave over the people of Makkah? And that man replied, yes. Because this freed slave of ours is well versed in the book of Allah. He knows the Qur'an very well. And he knows the ahkam of our deen very well also. So Umar radiallahu anhu said, your Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that inna Allah yarfa'u bihadha al-kitabi aqwaman that Allah will exalt some people because of this book. وَيَضَعُ بِهِ آخَرِينَ And he will bring down some others because of it. Meaning those who give the haqq of the Qur'an, then Allah will elevate them. And those who don't, then they will be degraded. So, وَإِنَّهُ لَذِكْرُ لَكَ وَلِقَوْمِكَ The Qur'an is not insignificant. It is an exalted, honorable book that will bring honor to those who hold on to it. In this life and also in the next Therefore, think about your duty towards the Qur'an. What are you taking from the Qur'an? And how much are you remembering the Qur'an? And how much are you practicing the Qur'an? Because وَسَوْفَ تُسْأَلُونَ You will be questioned. You will be asked. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَمَن يَعْشُ عَن ذِكْرِ الرَّحْمَنِ نُقَيِّضْ لَهُ شَيْطَانًا فَهُوَ لَهُ قَرِينٌ 
انهم لا يصدونهم عن السبيل ويحسبون انهم مهتدون حتى اذا جاءنا قال يا ليت بيني وبينك بعد المشرقين فبئس القرين وَلَن يَنفَعَكُمُ الْيَوْمَ إِذ ظَلَمْتُمْ أَنَّكُمْ فِي الْعَذَابِ مُشْتَرِكُونَ أَفَأَنْتَ تُسْمِعُ الصُّمَّ أَوْ تَهْدِي الْعُمْيَ وَمَنْ كَانَ فِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ فَإِمَّا نَذْهَبَنَّ بِكَ فَإِنَّا مِنْهُمْ مُنْتَقِمُونَ أَوْ نُرِيَنَّكَ الَّذِي وَعَدَنَاهُمْ فَإِنَّا عَلَيْهِمْ مُقْتَدِرُونَ فَاسْتَمْسِكْ بِالَّذِي أُوحِيَ إِلَيْكَ إنك على صراط مستقيم وإنه لذكر لك ولقومك وسوف تسألون Assalamu alaikum. So amongst us, you were talking about um, how the Quran, you know, sort of not really repeats itself, but you know, complements other ayahs. You know, when when we're listening to tafsir and you quote an ayah from a surah that we haven't studied or a surah we've studied before, and then later on when we're at that surah, the one that was referenced a long time ago, you see that connection when you're hearing it first time. Oh, okay, I see that. You know how these two complement each other. But when you're studying the reference verse itself, it's amazing. And then. For example, I was talking about Surah Ra'd. It's so long ago, and you know I forgot many of the things. But when that gets quoted, you see that, and you know it's pretty awesome to get reminded like that. You know, you don't actually have to go back and see it. You yeah. just you know remember. Yeah. And that makes the Quran very easy to understand and easy to remember also, because the concepts or the messages are repeated, the themes are repeated. It's as if one part of it is explaining, emphasizing another part. And that makes the Qur'an very easy to understand. I mean, you know, when you are reading a book in which on every page there is a new concept, a new theory, a new research, and everything you have to remember kind of keep in your mind, it becomes very overwhelming. Right? But the Qur'an is such that it's easy to remember. as alaikum. I just want to share, um, as you mentioned, that uh, who appointed... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm uh, missing the name. At the names. time of Umar radiallahu anhu. Uh, yes, yeah. and the, the governor of Makkah. The governor of Makkah was a free slave, right? Yeah. And look at the people. You know, at the beginning of the lesson, we learned that they thought that Prophet wasn't worth for yeah. Nabuwa. And now they accepted a free slave as, as their, their governor. So subhanAllah, Quran changes the both ways. That slave gulam, he got that rank, and the people mind got changed so much that they accepted him as a governor too. Yes. SubhanAllah, this is the beauty of the Quran, mashallah. Very true. It changes the hearts of people. So the Quran is a reminder. And a reminder is to be kept in front of you. Isn't it? I mean, if you have a whole list of reminders, do your homework... Submit this assignment, this, this, this. And it's somewhere 
written on a page and that page is somewhere in a book and that book is somewhere in your house, are you going to remember on time? Are you? No, you won't. Because in order to read that reminder, you're going to have to go find that book and then open it up and then find that paper and then read. And So where do you keep your reminders? Where? Somewhere where you can see them. So either it's on your phone or on your computer or somewhere in the refrigerator, maybe in your car, maybe in your bathroom mirror. You know, people put reminders in the most weirdest of places. Isn't it? So that they can remember at a time when they need to remember. Because if you don't remember at the time when you need to remember, then that reminder was useless. So the point I'm making over here is that if the Qur'an is dhikr, then don't we need to remind ourselves of the dhikr that it has? Don't we need to be connected with the Qur'an? And when is the best time to connect with the Qur'an? To remember what we have forgotten of the Qur'an. What is the best time? It is the month of Ramadan. Because in this month, our connection with the Qur'an should be greater than any other time of the year. So what are you going to do this month of Ramadan to reconnect with the Qur'an? Even though I know some of you will have your exams. And some of you will have a lot of assignments and a lot of other things to do. But despite all of that, what are you going to do to reconnect with the Qur'an in this month? What goals are you going to set? What targets are you going to set for yourself? So listening to the Qur'an, more in the month of Ramadan. You know the scholars, they used to call the month of Sha'ban, Shahrul Qira'ah, the month of recitation. Why? Because they would increase their recitation of Qur'an in Sha'ban before Ramadan so that they would have strength to recite even more Qur'an in the month of Ramadan. You understand what they did? So the month of Ramadan should be a time when we are reciting more Qur'an. And not just reciting it, but also listening to it. And also reflecting on its meanings. So set some goals for yourself. And if you're not prepared for it from before, even mentally, what's going to happen? The month of Ramadan is going to come and it's going to go. We don't want to enter this month unprepared and leave it all frazzled or with disappointment. Anything important that's coming in your life, it requires preparation. Correct? Otherwise, if you're not prepared, then things are haphazard and there's no quality in our actions and we end it with a heavy heart, with regret and disappointment and frustration. And we don't want Ramadan to be like that. And if you are afraid that no, I'm just too busy this month. Recently I've met so many sisters who've all been saying, I'm going to have my exams, I'm going to have this. Or mothers who are saying, children are, you know, they have school, right? People have work, how is it going to happen? Remind yourself, Ramadan is a month which is Mubarak. And what is Mubarak? When you get more out of what appears to be little. One of the Salaf, he said that every time I increase my recitation of the Qur'an, I see more blessings in my life. I see more blessings in my life. When? When I increase my recitation of the Qur'an. So don't think that if you will give time to the Qur'an, you will have little left for yourself. Even if you can recite three verses in salah, that is better than many things. 
the Prophet ﷺ said that three verses that one of you recites in salah is better than three large pregnant she-camels. Just imagine. It's better than that. You might wonder, camel, I don't know, thank you. I'm not interested in camels. I don't like animals. But the people whom the Prophet ﷺ was talking to, camels were like fancy cars. Alright? I mean, one of the best possessions that you could own. The Prophet ﷺ said, one of you recites ten verses and a hundred verses, and some other hadith indicate a thousand verses. So there is mention of three verses, ten verses, hundred verses, thousand verses. For each, there is different reward. So for a hundred verses, it is, that is better than the whole world and whatever is in it. Qintar will be written for him. And a qintar is better than the world and whatever is in it. So reconnecting with the Qur'an or Increasing our connection with the Qur'an is never ever a loss. You will always get a lot from the Qur'an. Because the Qur'an is Mubarak. The month of Ramadan is Mubarak. So think about what you're going to do. And set some clear goals for yourself. Because وَإِنَّهُ لَذِكْرٌ لَكَ وَلِقَوْمِكَ وَسَوْفَ تُسْأَلُونَ You are going to be asked, you're going to be questioned about your duty towards the Qur'an.